Welcome to the AWS Health Innovation Podcast, where you can learn from entrepreneurs and investors who are driving progress in healthcare and life science across the globe. My name is Joe Schunkweiler. I'm a physician and former health tech executive. And my name is Alex Merwin. I'm an operations executive who's worked at two startups that exited as unicorns. And now Joe and I work with healthcare and life science startups and investors at AWS. Today, I'm joined by Adam Odesky, CEO and founder of Sensely an empathy-driven virtual assistant platform designed to enhance the member experience, elevate brand preference, and influence behavior. Adam and I discuss why engagement matters for individual patients as well as systems as a whole, how advances in text-to-speech technology have progressed in recent years, and how that has opened up additional opportunities for virtual patient engagement and why it meant so much to him and his team to be patients' primary point of contact following a diagnosis with COVID-19. Enjoy. Adam Odesky, CEO and founder of Sensely. Thanks for joining me today. Hey, Joe. Good to see you. Good to talk to you again. Can you start off by telling us a bit about Sensely and what you all do? Sensely is a virtual assistant platform for healthcare tasks and for insurance tasks. So we built a very empathetic way to communicate with patients and insurance members by using chat capability combined with voice capability. So we, we've designed and promoted these avatars uh, that talk to patients uh, in a special kind of empathetic way. So we use a lot of conversation design and the bedside manner principles to talk patients. Uh, typically, people that want to talk to us are typically uh, in a high state of anxiety or under a lot of stress. There's a lot that goes into reassuring the patient, telling them everything is going to be okay, and also listening. We leverage speech recognition to understand what the patient or the insurance member wants, and then we direct them to appropriate places of care. So we sell primarily to insurance companies, to hospitals. We have a software development kit that allows uh, these organizations to embed us into their own mobile apps or websites or chat channels. They make it and promote it to their membership and their patients to have this available virtual nurse or virtual doctor on call 24-7 in the palm of their hand whenever they need it. And that's really one of the core value propositions is for this assistant to be intelligent, but also be there where the patient is on the channel that the patient prefers in an empathetic way, and also be able to get them the help that they need in the shortest amount of time possible to keep them safe and healthy. Adam, what about your own journey and background? What led you to this kind of venture? I have a tech background, worked in my early career in big tech companies like Oracle and Microsoft. My, my area of expertise was speech recognition, natural language processing, and telecommunications. And I worked a lot, particularly with Microsoft. I worked with large clients that we were building these voice portals for them to assist them with various customer service tasks that they've had. And we worked with clients in the travel and transportation industry, in the insurance industry, uh, in other uh, financial banking industries, but never really core in healthcare. And I was wondering why, because my family history is such that we have had a lot of chronic conditions. We know the kind of communications that is required between the doctor and the patients to really help them along. And we thought that these customer service lines would be great for healthcare, particularly I had a really big passion. I was always wondering like, why were these companies succeeding in all these other sectors except for healthcare? And one of the reasons is because it's hard to deploy in healthcare. There's reimbursements that are involved. So it was basically an open area. If you can crack that nut, uh, it was a huge sort of opportunity because ultimately healthcare is about the right customer service. Nurses, doctors, uh, ad admins all do a part in helping out people, helping out patients to get better, feel better, et cetera. Uh, and so that's the sort of the draw uh, and the problem that pulled me in to try, and to try to solve it. 
ever since then, I have leveraged my expertise in these technologies that I mentioned, natural language processing, understanding, telemedicine, telecommunications, to build a product that would be able to really affect patients, not just regular patients that have primary care concerns, but also chronic patients that need a regular type of follow-up, that need regular engagement. Really, it's my passion to address these problems, and that essentially is my vehicle to do that. Adam, you talked about a range of folks that are using Sensely's technology in various forms and fashions. What are those different product lines? Do they differ? What binds them together? Talk me through having various different streams off of a core technology. Yeah, absolutely. So our focus has been on these conversational clinical services. So the core of our product is a conversation platform that we call a multi-sensor conversation platform, meaning you don't just have a conversation text to text or voice to voice. You have a conversation that involves a combination of both picture taking, integration with medical devices and device readings from the medical sensors that are out there. So that platform serves as that common thread. From that common thread, from that platform, we spawn several products that we use for various kinds of healthcare and insurance use cases, and they're all interrelate with each other. Our most popular use case is the symptom checker, sometimes called the symptom triage tool, where we listen to patients about their healthcare concerns, like symptoms. We have an interview with them to try to identify the urgency level, and then we navigate them to an appropriate place of care, whether it's an emergency room, an appointment with the doctor, a telemedicine visit, or self-care. We also, ancillary to that, have a chronic disease management service that focuses on that subset of patients that need more deeper kind of engagement rather than just a primary care navigation. So those are the patients that have congestive heart failure or diabetes or hypertension. And basically our conversational platform has a set of use cases to follow up or talk to these patients at regular intervals to see how they're doing, to measure relevant device or vital sign information, and then calculate risk. And if those risks exceed certain thresholds, we triage or we notify the clinical team to take action. We also have ancillary to that as well, what we call a front door service, which is really meant for administrative use cases, where the symptom triage is primarily for primary care clinical type of use navigation. The chronic is for the chronic patients. Uh, Our front door is particularly for general admin questions or concerns. What are your hours of operation? I want to book an appointment. I need your location. Do you support breast cancer screenings, et cetera? So all of these products are sold separately. Or they all act together in unison where a client like a hospital or an insurance company buys buys all three and is able to present all those three products to to their uh, member population. We also recently launched, and this is pretty new, a mental health module that talks to patients or to people that are concerned, sometimes before they actually talk to a, a psychiatrist or a psychologist because they're not comfortable talking to a psychiatrist and a psychologist at, at that particular point in time to really get them comfortable about talking about these symptoms ultimately do an assessment, whether they have elevated levels of depression or anxiety or some mood or sleep disorder, and then navigate them to appropriate psychiatric resources, given with the right level of empathy to keep them going and make sure that they take these problems seriously. And I would imagine that given the range of customers that you service, it's a mix and match between the various modular elements for each individual customer. And is that accurate? Yeah. So sometimes each customer can buy all these three products together in a bundle. Sometimes they can start with one, like a symptom checker, and then they layer on at a later time, like chronic disease management or the front door or mental health. Sometimes they start with something like a front door 
to get their administrative tasks out of the way. You wouldn't imagine how much, uh, how many problems insurance companies have managing <laughs> the members' latest like address and contact right. details. And so making that easy and empathetic for them is extremely important to introduce first and then layer on the other services later. One of the recurrent themes for these enterprise sales motions or products that you're selling to a large enterprise is that there is then a disconnect between the users that are actually hands-on using your product and the folks that are buying it. Mm -hmm. uh, how do you navigate that at Sensely and the potential to, to miss something when you have such yeah. a disconnect between the two? Yeah, that's a really great question. Big enterprises aren't necessarily known for their high-end quality consumer experience because most of the time they have other areas to focus on. What we try to basically pr present or promote, usually they know this already. Like we're not great at consumer experience. We don't have a consumer great app. Our website is not amazing. We want to improve in that, but they don't necessarily don't have the skills or the know-how to really do that at a high level. So that's where we bring in our expertise to basically convince customers that, hey, it's all about what patients think of you that makes them engage and, and keep on coming back. So here are strategies for engagement. Here are strategies for promotion. By the way, look at our apps in the app store. A lot of them have a 4.7, 4.8 out of five ranking with really great comments. If you introduce your app with our technology inside, you'll be able to get to that level of consumer experience. But also it's about how you talk to your members and the conversations that you have with your members. And that's really important for people to be talked to like a human and to be treated with respect. But also you have the right design in order to do that. And that's limited skill that's not popularly available all across the world. So we actually hire high-end conversation designers, linguists, story writers to develop these conversations in a way that, that patients and members can engage with and keep on talking to. And that's when we sell, we actually provide that capability first, first and forward to convince clients that it's all about this design and this experience that will really benefit your members. If you'll allow me to get philosophical for a moment, why does patient engagement matter? What's the hook there yeah. uh, or user engagement, however you want to frame it. And then as a follow on to that, are there particular metrics that you and your team follow that can then link that engagement to outcomes, whatever they are for your customers? Ultimately, a lot of people don't care about their health. They think of it as a side gig compared maybe with their job, their family, their other obligations. And that's a huge problem everywhere, United States, other parts of the world. And that has both cost implications and that has life implications. From a cost perspective, hospital admissions, particularly for people that don't take care of their health and exacerbate to the point where they need hospital, hospital admissions, are very expensive uh, and very, as we saw during COVID, resource constrained, facility constrained, et cetera. Uh, if you don't engage with patients, you don't know how to engage with patients on a regular basis, you're going to just have a lot more sick patients. Or you're going to have these really spiky events, whether they're in hospitals or chronic conditions happening, et cetera. And the engagement piece, what it allows you to do, one of the primary goals of how we talk to patients, how we engage with patients, is to actually level, elevate that priority of care that they should focus on their health care that's above their other priorities that they have in their head. Because if they have an experience that they have an affinity to, that they trust, and that's high quality, maybe higher quality than their other processes that they go on a day-to-day -day basis, they're more likely to care about their care more. They're more likely to do these things that are recommended by the healthcare system to keep yourself healthy, to avoid chronic conditions, to eat well, have a good mood, get better sleep, et cetera. 
So I think it benefits the patients if you can convince them that it'll actually benefit them and they'll feel better about it. But it also benefits the healthcare system. I think hospitals, healthcare practices can make a lot more money by having people schedule more appointments and care more about their health, have more physicals, have more chronic condition check-ins, have when they feel symptoms, don't wait until they exacerbate, have a tool right then and there to be able to communicate and get help right away. So I think it's a win-win for everybody. It's a win for patients. It's a win for the healthcare system. And it's ultimately a win, I think, morally for society, because if we can keep our people healthy and safe, we're going to have a lot more contrib contributions to our economy. We have people living longer, having broader families. So I think it's, it's a win for everybody. Do you ever see, or do you track people who may enter via the administrative portion and then get pulled through to symptom checker and more clinically relevant signs? Yeah, absolutely. It's all about introducing the virtual assistant. That's why we brand it. It's almost a brand ambassador. It's an extension of our client, the hospital, the clinic. Sometimes it's an actual doctor that works at the doctor at the hospital or clinic and a personal doctor at that. We like to say that, Hey, your personal doctor only had a human English speaking version. And now your own personal doctor mm -hmm. could have both uh, a human version, a virtual version. And ho hey, by the way, it can speak Spanish really well. So you're going to have a whole new demographic right. in the U.S. that loves your doctor. And so that, that piece of it is really important to build the relationship. Once you build the relationship, and that relation can be built via the administrative interface that you mentioned. And once you establish that trust, that patient will know, then know, okay, I can go to this virtual assistant for a lot of other things, not just my administrative requests, but I can communicate symptoms to them. I can maybe help get help with my kids or my grandparents or my parents, et cetera. And I think that establishing that relationship via this virtual assistant is one of the most important goals of what we do. Given your technology and communications background prior to Sensely, what are some of the technology advances that you've seen that have really made what you're doing now possible? One of the things that has taken a huge leap forward is the quality of text-to-speech, the robotic audio, if you will, converting text to a voice. That technology, because of machine learning, has really leapfrogged in the last several years. And now you have a lot of really high-quality voices in different languages from lots of different vendors that are almost indistinguishable from a human voice. And that's very important to build that credibility, to speak to, to patients in a way that they feel uh, connected and empathetic. And that's been like the leapfrog in the last several years. And also the quality of natural language processing and speech recognition to be able to really understand what patients want with their, based on what they're saying, the narrative that they're giving. I like to say that the human body is actually the most complicated medical device or the most sophisticated medical device known to man, but you just have to activate it the right way. And the way you activate it the right way is asking the right questions to have people narrate or storytell about what they're experiencing. And then natural language processing can be used to really pinpoint what the core issues that they're talking about. And so that, that has taken a, a huge leap as well. And the last thing I'll say is like the avatars themselves. So these virtual characters, and it's not necessarily been a huge, huge technology leap, but it's been a mental user adoption leap where people are much more comfortable with chatbots, with avatars. You have obviously the metaverse creating a lot of hype right now and becoming a big story where people are more comfortable having these conversations in virtual worlds and digital worlds on mobile phones than you've ever had before. And that, that is also really leapfrogged, I think, particularly for healthcare in the last several years. The other big thing over the last several years, obviously, is how COVID-19 has impacted digital health and biotech and the whole range of the healthcare and life science space. 
how has COVID-19 impacted Sensely and how you work mm-hmm. with your customers? What have you seen over the last few yeah. years? Yeah, that's a really great question as well. COVID-19 is really a catalyst that has massively accelerated user adoption of our services. The whole idea where you couldn't go to the hospital or the doctor's mm-hmm. office because you had all these protections forced a lot of people to start using digital tools to get the care and the help they need. And it's shifted their mentality of, hey, these u- tools, like we thought of them as a nice to have before, but really they're a must have. And oh, by the way, they also work really well. Why haven't I used this before? Why do I have to go to the lengths of scheduling appointments, showing up at the waiting room, waiting, having a short visit, et cetera. So that mentality has really shifted. And we've seen that in the spike that we had in our adoption, the spike that we had in symptom checker and telemedicine visits, more interest from customers all around the globe uh, in these kind of services. Also, it added a whole new business unit for us, which is, which was selling COVID-19 services, information, symptom assessments, monitoring. We did a really great COVID monitoring after you get diagnosed positive when, you know, the spike was really happening where we'd follow up with patients every single day to check on their symptoms, see how they're doing to see if the condition is getting worse and they may actually need a, a hospital admission. And that's really helped as well manage the flow of patients that would be diagnosed as positive. That must've been a particularly interesting and powerful moment for you and the team to think that you were some cases, the primary interaction point after people found out that they were positive with COVID, that they were interacting then with your technology on behalf of maybe a larger enterprise, but you were really at that, at the tip of the spear for how people were navigating COVID across the globe. It sounds like. Yeah, that was incredibly rewarding to see that more and more people were using our service. We're getting them the help that they need. We prevented the readmissions. We saved some lives. There's proof of that. And so that was an incredibly rewarding experience for the team. In general, Sensely is rewarding because we do that on a day-to-day basis. But with COVID especially, being able to, as you mentioned, be the tip of the spear and get in there really quickly and and provide support to keep people healthy uh, and safe was hugely, hugely important for us. You have a global distribution. I know you work with folks all over the world. What are some of the variation that you see in adoption of AI solutions, Mm -hmm. patient user engagement? Can you tell one region from the next? Sometimes. Uh, It really depends on A, how the solution is marketed, and B, how the solution is offered. So one of the most important things that we do when we sell globally is we localize the language and the voice itself to the local population of speakers. So for instance, in Switzerland, we have four languages that are launched, French, German, Italian, and English. And so talking to people in their primary language uh, is very important. Within that comes a lot of variation about how people talk about their symptoms, the clinical rules that are involved, the different kinds of outcomes. So there's whole clinical governance and clinical sort of review and change management process that has to go on and compliance process that they have to go on with, with various countries. From a usage and an engagement perspective, where we see a lot of action right now is in Asia in particular. A lot of Asian countries are mobile first societies where their first internet device was a mobile phone, not a PC, not a telephone, a plain old telephone. So we see a lot of engagement from them of just being very mobile savvy, using these services on on their device in a much more frequent clip. But we've also seen the personalized services themselves become a huge part of what we do. So if you can make more personalized recommendations to the country's own healthcare system services, like their national telemedicine line that exists in the UK, the 111, 
or a specific suite of doctors or a healthcare brand that is very well known, that is the tool that really gets engagement. But as far as differences between how frequently or how differently people use it, it pretty much remains the same in every country. Healthcare is the same and people are essentially the same. They get sick and they communicate. Where where we're actually seeing a little bit of differences in mental health. You definitely have different levels of stigma in different countries where Mm. some people are more open to engaging in mental health and talking about their issues and symptoms that they face. And some people are more reluctant. And this is actually what we're trying to equalize as well, because the avatar is this non-judgmental entity that we've shown in tests that people are much more open and honest in talking with, especially about chronic conditions, mental health symptoms, medications they're taking, than an actual human that's talking to them on the phone. And that's really opened up that hopefully reduced that stigma as well, where more and more people around the world are able to talk about these things openly so they can get better help in a faster, more efficient way. How many different languages do you have as part of the Sensely products? We support over 40 languages today. Wow. So we have the major European languages, major Asian languages, and a slew of other ones, like in the Middle East, different dialects of Arabic, for example. As you were describing that, I was thinking back to some of my previous clinical interactions from my early days in the, on the clinical side. And I am uh, language deficient in a lot of ways in my ability to interact with folks. But when you see somebody that speaks Spanish fluently, let's say as a Mm -hmm. physician or a nurse or somebody else in the clinical side, interact with a patient different than just having a phone interpreter or even using another interpreter, even though those folks are great in the hospital and a huge Mm -hmm. help. It's different. Like the way people describe the nuance to it, the way they think through the symptoms, it really does make a big Mm -hmm. difference. I'm sure having that even baked into the product digitally Mm -hmm. makes a big difference because as you said, now the way we interact with our mobile phones, it's ubiquitous. The way people type and reply and having that baked in, you can probably capture things that just a translation wouldn't necessarily capture. I think you nailed it. That's absolutely right. And that also helps with with the engagement piece. When somebody's talking to you in your own native native language, in your own native dialect, that's a very different kind of conversation. It makes you feel very differently that somebody really cares about you getting better. And therefore you're more open and honest with it. And I think that's an important piece as well. We talked a bit about the growth in the technology side and the impact of COVID-19, but more generally, what's been the market, the trajectory in the broader market? since you found it, Sensely? What have been those shifts and where do we sit now in the broader market for your products? The product first started accelerating with some of the single payer type of entities that are both in the US market and around the world. And they include systems like Kaiser Permanente, single payer systems like the National Health Service in the UK, uh, some of the, the Japan payer system. Then it started accelerating with insurance companies. And that's where we became really global because insurance companies started working with large insurance companies like AXA and Allianz and Nippon Health, Blue Cross Blue Shield. And that has had a massive sort of uh, member adoption acceleration. And that effect is a lot of these insurance companies want to introduce these sort of front door primary care type of tools to both manage costs as well as create a better relationship with their members. And now we're seeing it accelerate, particularly because of new value-based care registration, particularly because mobile phone adoption, acceptance of these healthcare services digitally. We're seeing acceleration on the smaller hospital side, on the practice side, on the smaller, more regional insurance side, 
And that's really where the growth, the growth future for Sensely is. We've secured the big of the big. We work with some of the largest and most prominent healthcare organizations and insurance organizations in the world. And now we're essentially going down market by working with smaller, more regional, more entities that sort of understand where this, this market is going and digital adoptions, understand what the big guys are doing. And now they want to follow on and repeat that, that growth that we saw at the top end. Sounds like you've roughly tracked cost sensitivity among the group. So a large single payer system of any stripe is on the hook for total cost of care by definition in a lot of That's ways. Right. That was a, you were probably doing that before you reference value-based care, which has been around for a while, but is starting to pick up some momentum. It seems like you were early in that transition period for that. Yeah, because of the way we've worked with the NHS and we've been working with the NHS in the UK for the last six years, they had a direct interest in cost savings because they're a single payer system funded by the government. So, you know, that's very important for them. And what we've shown, particularly with our symptom checker deployment, is that we can reduce costs by about 21% by shifting the navigations that people receive for primary care from high cost services like emergency rooms and certain doctor appointments towards lower cost services like telemedicine, like self-care, specialist appointments. And that we call it a channel shift. That shift has actually provided a really nice template for how people think about these services from a cost containment, cost reduction perspective, to be able to give the, the right recommendation at the right place, to the right place at the right time without burdening facilities and resources they may not need based on their symptoms and conditions that they're experiencing. Adam, I'd like to close by, by going back to your own experience a bit in your career trajectory. What advice do you have for others coming from the tech or telecom space who want to tackle healthcare use cases? I would say that healthcare is probably the most complicated industries that you can take on where tech is valuable, extremely valuable, but in order to build a successful company, it needs to have a very strong clinical portion and clinical expertise, particularly to fit in with a lot of workflows, processes, standards that may or may not make sense to, a, to an engineer or to a tech person, but you just have to live with because that's just the way the industry works. That's the way they get reimbursed. And that's, that's the business in a way. So focusing on a unique technology is great. You definitely have to have a unique technology and an unfair advantage to get your foot in the door, but ultimately to scale the business, you need to be able to build a product and build an operational system that really fits in with the core problems that healthcare is trying to solve which is primarily get people healthier, you know, potentially get more reimbursements and keep people well and happy. And that involves people, that involves some technology, and that involves really being patient and putting up with sometimes a very long sales cycle to be able to do that effectively. The speed of software is very different than the speed of healthcare. And so that, that difference in patience that an entrepreneur, especially a tech entrepreneur, needs to have has to be really accounted for and kept in the back of their mind because there may be a lot of frustration along the way because it's definitely not moving fast and breaking things as a lot of other tech businesses have, have started. Adam Adesky, CEO and founder of Sensely. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Joe. Great to be with you. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave us a review and rating. It helps others find us. To learn more about how AWS supports startups, please go to aws.amazon.com startups. 